Good evening. Merry Christmas. Welcome again to Prairie View Christian Church. We appreciate you spending part of your Christmas here with us. On Sunday, December 4th, we considered God's promise to the patriarchs in the book of Genesis. That's people like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. On December 11th, we examined the great expectations God set down through his messengers, the prophets, all throughout the Old Testament. And last Sunday, the 18th, we considered John the Baptist, whose preaching might be summed up with the phrase, prepare yourselves for what God is about to do. And one of the best ways to do that is to repent. And tomorrow morning, and yes, we are having church tomorrow morning, we will finally, after weeks of anticipation, devote our full attention to Jesus Christ, the one the patriarchs, prophets, and John the Baptist all looked forward to. But tonight, on Christmas Eve, I'd like to draw our attention to Mary, the mother of Jesus. Now, Mary has been a polarizing figure throughout Christian history. That's because some Christians pay too much attention to Mary, while others, namely Protestants like us, overcorrect and pay too little attention to Mary. But it's impossible to understand Christmas apart from her, who she was, why God chose her, and what God did through her. One theologian writes, One can only properly know the mystery of Mary's son by properly knowing Mary, for in her the mystery literally comes to be. Another says, Anyone who would understand the nature of a tree should examine the earth that encloses its roots, the soil from which its cap climbs into branch, blossom, and fruit. Similarly, to understand the person of Jesus Christ, one would do well to look to the soil that brought him forth, Mary, his mother. So tonight, we consider Mary. Because we want to know Jesus better. And it's because Mary received God's grace so long ago that sinners like us receive it now by faith in Christ. So reading in Luke chapter 1, verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, 
How will this be, since I am a virgin? It's a reasonable question, don't you think? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So first and most simply, who exactly was Mary? Well, at this point in her life, Mary was likely around 15 years old. She was betrothed to Joseph. And in Jewish marital custom at the time, that meant their marriage was fully, formally, and legally complete, but not yet consummated. That would make Mary a virgin, a fact that Luke firmly establishes in his story. But one person calls Mary, at least when we encounter her in Luke chapter 1, the most insignificant and lowliest of maidens. Another calls her just another Palestinian peasant girl. In other words, Mary appears to be nothing special. But this unremarkable young woman is about to become much more interesting. Now, you don't have to look very far in the Bible to find an unusual birth story. Abraham's wife, Sarah, bore her son Isaac at an old age. After an entire life of infertility, baby Moses only survives after he gets sent downstream, quite literally. And Hannah bears the prophet Samuel after God answers her tearful prayer for a child. It's not uncommon for people to be born in unusual ways in the pages of scripture. But this birth story, a virgin conceiving a child. By the power of the Holy Spirit, that one tops them all. But if Mary was so very normal, you might ask, why did God choose her for such an amazing task in the first place? Well, the verses we just read tell us. God chose Mary in the same way he chooses anybody else in the Bible. He chose her by his grace. The words for favor in verses 28 and 31 could be translated grace. And biblically speaking, grace must be defined as unmerited favor. You didn't deserve it. You don't earn it. And you can't repay it. That's grace. Now, Mary had done nothing particularly remarkable at this point in her life. She's presented as no better or no worse than any other girl like her. As one author puts it, it's Mary's ordinariness that makes her extraordinary. And it's when we see that God chose her for the miraculous privilege of bearing his son in her womb 
That makes his grace, his kindness, his mercy, his generosity shine that much brighter. And finally, what exactly will God accomplish through Mary? Well, it's in Mary's womb that God provides a Messiah, the Messiah, for a dark, cold, fallen world. This would more than fulfill the promise that God gave the patriarchs. It meets and even exceeds the greatest expectations of the prophets. This baby will grow into the one John the Baptist calls the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This baby is the one God told the rebellious, ashamed, guilty Adam and Eve about. The one who would strike Satan's head once and for all. But how does Mary respond to this humbling, intimidating, but surely exhilarating call? She responds with simple. You might even say childlike as a 15-year-old girl. Faith and obedience. Verse 38. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Or as the old hymn put it, have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. But before we move ahead in the story, think again for a moment about what exactly God has called Mary to do. The position that God has put her in. This calling could compromise Mary's reputation. What will Joseph think? The Gospel of Matthew tells us. Until he's reassured by an angel, he assumes what most everybody would have assumed. That Mary had been unfaithful. What will her family think? What will her friends think? What about the surrounding community? It's not hard to picture the rumors, the whispers, the questioning glances that would swirl around this young woman. This calling could compromise Mary's body. I've watched my wife bring three boys into this world And even with all the technology and medicine that we have at our disposal today, pregnancy and childbirth are not for the faint of heart. I know it just as well as she does. Not really. There is nothing to suggest that Mary was spared from sleepless nights, terrible exhaustion, and horrible pain. And this calling would sacrifice Mary's comfort. You know, when your pregnancy is far enough along today, doctors advise that you not travel very far by car. Yet tradition portrays Mary spending part of her pregnancy on a donkey's back. She's then forced to give birth in an unfamiliar and by our standards and theirs unsanitary environment. And not long after delivery. Mary will find herself fleeing to Egypt like a fugitive. So she may not have been remarkable when we first meet her in Luke chapter 1. But with time, Mary, the poor Palestinian girl, the lowliest maiden, would be called by some the first 
disciple. The first disciple. Because decades before Jesus ever called his people to take up their crosses, Mary took up hers for his sake. Mary never asked for this. But God called her by his grace, and she faithfully obeyed. And in that, she truly is an example for every believer. But as Joshua mentioned, let's read Luke chapter 1, verse 46, known as Mary's Magnificat. This is immediately following her meeting with Elizabeth, who has John the Baptist in her womb. And Elizabeth looks at Mary and seems more concerned about the baby. Elizabeth says, the mother of my Lord is meeting me. The baby in Elizabeth's womb, John the Baptist, miraculously leaps as soon as he is in Jesus's presence. And then Mary says this. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his offspring forever. So just when we're tempted to fawn over Mary a little too much. We're reminded that she is not the star of the show. Mary tells us in her own words to magnify the Lord, not her. She is of humble estate. He's the savior. She is lowly and he is mighty. The star of the show is in her womb. It's through him that God will execute judgment, deliver his people, remember his mercy, and keep his word. It's through Jesus Christ that God will turn the world upside down. It's through this helpless baby that God will reverse the curse of sin and death. All the way back to the Garden of Eden that still lives on today in every human heart. Mary plays a crucial, one-of-a-kind, irreplaceable role in the Christmas story. One of many chapters in God's big story of redemption from Genesis to Revelation. But it's the baby in her womb who will actually accomplish sinful humanity's salvation. It's not a coincidence that after Jesus' birth, Mary scarcely appears in the New Testament. So tonight, as you ponder the Christmas story of Joseph and angels and shepherds and wise men and Herod, don't forget that there's something about 
Mary. Praise God for people like her. People of astounding faith, humility, and sacrifice, whom God has used throughout history to accomplish his purposes. Learn from them. Be inspired by them. Give them the honor that they're due. And then when you wake up tomorrow, before you tear open presents, before you tear into the parking lot to be here on time, before you tear into a big meal, ponder Jesus. After all, he's the star of the show. He always has been. He always will be. He's the savior of people like you, people like me, and people like Mary. You know, Christmas Eve is great and all, but let's be honest. It's not the main event. Christmas morning is. And in the same way, Mary truly is great. But Mary is not the hero. Jesus is. He's the agent of God's grace for her, and he's the agent of God's grace for us. May we believe, and may we also obey. That's also why we'd like to see you back here tomorrow morning. Because we'll shift our eyes away from all the opening acts, as important as they are. Patriarchs and prophets and John the Baptist and Mary. And we will fix our eyes on Christ. Because whether those people fully realized it or not, they were all looking forward to him above all else. And I pray that tonight, this Christmas, we would do the same. Look forward to Christ above anything and everything else. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you that you've gotten us through the cold and the wind, and you've brought us here to this time and to this place. You've gotten us through another year, surely of ups and downs and trials and tribulations and joys and sorrows. And once again, it's Christmas Eve. Once again, we're gathered in this place. And once again, we are being reminded to worship you this Christmas. We're being reminded of the reason for the season because we need to be reminded for, of the reason for the season year in and year out, day in and day out. Thank you for people like Mary, all the people in the pages of scripture who you have used to accomplish redemption and salvation for people like us. Whether it was giving promises to patriarchs or setting expectations through prophets or sending preachers like John the Baptist or calling regular old people like Mary. Thank you for the people, the places, the things that you have used throughout history to save sinners. And the culmination of all that is Jesus Christ. He is the Savior, He is our Lord. He is our king, and we remember his birth. Tonight, we remember his birth tomorrow. We thank you for this incredible gift of your grace. We thank you that the story didn't end at the Garden of Eden, 
We also thank you that the story didn't end at the manger, but that rather the story went on to the cross. Thank you that the story didn't end at the cross, but went to the empty tomb. And Lord, thank you that even now the story has not ended because we're still waiting for Christ to come. So this Christmas and every other day, no matter how many Christmases we have left, help us look forward to Christ above anything and everything else. Help us look forward to your presence. Look forward to your coming again. We love you. We worship you. We ask this all in Christ's name. Amen. As we said, it's incredibly important to pay attention to the birth of Christ at Christmas. But we also remember week in and week out and in the Christmas season that the story didn't end with the birth. The story didn't end with the manger. The story would continue to the cross. And part of the beauty of taking communion on a regular basis is that every single service at Prairie View Christian Church, somehow, some way, you're going to be reminded of the cross. You're going to be reminded of Christ's broken body, of Christ's shed blood. And communion is one of the best reminders that we have of that. So here in just a few moments, we're going to invite you to take communion. You do not have to be a member of this church to take communion. We simply ask that you be a believer in Christ. We have bread and juice up in these baskets in front of me. Feel free to get in a line. We have two tables. Line up, grab your cup, drink your juice, eat your bread, and then grab a candle. That way we can circle around the room and sing Silent Night before we pray to end our service. So with that... You're welcome to come up and take communion and grab a candle.
sing song that night together. our advent candle up here we've added a fifth candle that is the white candle right in the middle that will be lit tomorrow morning to of course welcome the birth of christ so if you've been coming for a few weeks and you have been anxiously awaiting seeing the advent wreath and all of its flaming glory then you need to be back here at 10 a.m for our service tomorrow we would love to have you here but we appreciate you being here tonight We certainly hope that you have a safe drive home with the cold and be careful on the roads. There could still be slick spots out there. Uh, We hope you'll be back tomorrow morning. And whether we see you tomorrow or not, we certainly hope that you have a Merry Christmas and appreciate you being here. So with that, we'll blow out our candles and I will close us in prayer. Father, thank you for this evening. Thank you for this time that we've had together. Thank you for your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you that no matter how much changes over the years from Christmases 10 or 20 or 40 or 80 years ago, 
you remain the same. Lord, thank you that year in and year out, we have something to be thankful for. Not just on December 25th or December 24th, but every single day, we have you to be thankful for. Thank you, Lord, that you humbled yourself. You took the form of a servant. You subjected yourself to human limitations without ceasing to be God in a way that we can't fully wrap our minds around. And thank you that you went even farther and subjected yourself to the humiliation of the cross so that you might be exalted to the right hand of the Father and so that sinners like us might be exalted with you, restored and reconciled and forgiven of our sins. So, Lord, thank you for who you are, for what you did, for what you still have yet to do as we look forward to your coming. And, Lord, thank you that you came to begin with at Christmas. We love you, we glorify you, we remember you this Christmas and every Christmas, and we look forward to seeing you again. We ask this all in your name, Christ's name. Amen. Merry Christmas, have a safe drive home, and we'll see you tomorrow.